Welcome to a special In the Money Players podcast. Nick Tamaro here hosting for this New York Thoroughbred Breeders sponsored edition of the In the Money Players podcast. We are looking at New York Bread Showcase Day, which is going to take place on Sunday afternoon. The final card of the Belmont at the Big A meet. We're going to take four days off after this and come right back with the traditional Aqueduct Fall meet that begins on Friday. But this 10 race card features eight stakes races. And joining me to talk about these eight stakes races is two-time New York bred champion owner, New York bred owner of champions, and 2020 Breeders' Cup betting challenge winner, Marshall Graham. Dr. Graham, what's going on? Now, thanks for having me on, Nick. Excited to go over this card. we got eight races. It's a little New York bred Breeders' Cup. It's kind of exciting to have these cards at the end of the year, uh, end of the year, like right before Breeders' Cup like we do. I remember the sort of first to... The first to do this was Jim McKay, uh, uh, you know, launching the Maryland Million. And now it seems like we have uh, these all over. And uh, this is, you know, to me, the, the New York bread program is one of the best out there at $1.4 million for uh, eight races. Uh, uh, we are an active participant. I'm an active participant. Ten Strike Racing is an active participant owning New York breads, breeding New York breads. In fact, we're going to stay in Warriors Charge this year. We're really excited about staining him in New York. $5,000. Uh, if anyone wants to breed to him, he's a Munnings. And, and we all know how hot Munnings is. Munnings stands for $100,000. So if you're looking for one of Munnings' best son and would like to have a New York sired horse, uh, look at Warriors Charge standing for $5,000 at uh, Irish Hill Century Farms. I figure if y'all have me on to, to handicap these races, I can get in a little plug for the stallion that we're going to stand. That was about as good as I could have scripted it. Um, and of course, I didn't. So yeah, that's perfect. I think Naja Thompson, of course, the esteemed executive director of the New York Thoroughbred Breeders, will greatly like to hear about that. I was actually going to make the mistake of asking you who uh, who is Munning's top earner so far this year and completely blew my, it just slipped my mind that Jack Christopher is a Munning's. But um, nonetheless, Warriors Charge, one of, one of Munning's only route graded stake winners among males, if I'm not mistaken. So, That's right, and, and he's and again one of the first to go to set. Obviously, Jack Christopher will come along uh, along as well. But uh, again, Clay and I have been on Munnings uh, from the very beginning. We bred to him and bought him early. Uh, uh, you know, bred to him when he was standing for fifteen and twenty five, and now he's up to hundred. Hard to get to, so we're excited about standing his son. And again, uh, this is such a great way to cap off our year with New York breads. It's such a great program. Uh, we've been privileged to campaign uh, multiple New York breads. Uh, of course, Pete saw uh, Looms Boldly, named after him, our New York bread runner, uh, uh, finished second, uh, finished runner-up to a horse that's going to run on this card. Uh, and uh, we've, we've won this. We've won races on this card twice. We had Critical Value win the Maid of the Mist in 2019, and Lucky Move won the Empire de Staff in 2020. Yeah, very exciting, and obviously looking forward to seeing what kind of uh... – Book of Mayor's Warriors Charge can get, again, standing in New York for $5,000. Well, let's get started on this card. Eight stakes on tap that begin in race number three. Race three is slated to go at about 1.43 Eastern time. I think you can catch the majority of, if not all, of this card on Fox Sports 1. That usually is the case on Sunday afternoons with the NFL uh, taking place on regular Fox. The Hudson is the first of the stakes races. It's at six and a half furlongs on the main track. And you know, Marshall, what I thought was really the big question you had to you had to ask yourself two questions. One of which is if you think Bankit can be effective whatsoever at six and a half furlongs. The other is how much are you buying that perfect Munnings performance in the slop from uh, the day before the Travers? 
Yeah, so uh, the Bankett move is very strange to me. I think he would have been, uh, you know, favored. A or tremendous certain... fit in the Empire Classic. Yeah, a tremendous fit. And I don't know whether they just, they just feared the Malin in eighth. Uh, but I, he certainly fits more to Malin eighth than he seems to at six and a half furlongs. So it's just an interesting cutback. He hasn't run this distance since he was a two-year-old. So, uh, I, you know, and I, I don't see, I, I don't, it's hard to sort of see a scenario that, that sets up really well for him. Uh, you know, to maybe close into a pace. So I, I don't, you know, it's a, it's a very strange move um, that, that they're making that, that I, I just quite frankly don't understand. I, I, I think they'd have been very tough to beat in the Empire Classic. I think they've sort of been a strong competition. I, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not buying the perfect Munnings trip. Again, we know Munnings is great in the mud. And, uh, you know, he won last time, ran a huge number in the mud. The rest of his efforts are fairly pedestrian. You know, this race has, you know, five of the eight horses in the field are still open other than eligible. So, um, you know, in New York, when you have a New York bread, you have your state bread made special weight. You have your state bread other than state bread two other than, and then you can run open other than. So, you know, a lot of these horses, they work their way through those conditions. Then they win their open other than, then they jump in the stakes races. And this is a, you know, this is not the strongest field, there's some nice numbers in here, but ultimately in terms of the competition that horses have faced, you have horses like Bankett just standing, uh, you know, uh, towering over the horses in terms of their competition. And the other one, the horse I'm going to go with, uh, what do you think now as well has been facing much tougher, you know, I know didn't run particularly well in the light that fused last time at Pimlico or in the non-condition allowance race at Parks. Um, uh, two races before that, but those are really tough races. When he's faced New York breads, he's, he's run really well. Um, and I think, uh, you know, I think that he ought to just take care of this field. Yeah, I, I think that's a fair assessment. The other perfect money's knock is that, you know, he's basically run two big races his entire career. They've both been at Saratoga. One of them was on the slop, as you referenced from back in late August. The other of course was in August of 21 and, He's been campaigned very oddly, in my opinion. It's very strange to see a horse that that was uh, was two other than. I guess he was two other than eligible for New York Breads only with a tag, but it just never made sense to me that Pletcher went to the turf with him. He went off four to five also and ran very poorly. I thought the interesting horses in here were Hoo Hoo, That's Me. Um, I do think what, what Do You Think Now is very dangerous coming back off the light diffuse behind you know, the red hot Sibelius. I don't think there's any shame in that performance. I picked reggae music, man. I might be being a little bit of a wise ass and um, and I'm thinking a little too much perhaps of how well he's run at Aqueduct and the fact that I do think he ran very well in the John Morrissey last time out. Uh, he's a horse that obviously can perform without Lasix. He's training forwardly. He drew the outside post. He really ought to get a nice outside stalking trip. There's also a world in which if what do you think now is ridden conservatively, which I think he will be, and Fast and Furious has some gate issues. I could see reggae music man on the lead in here. And I think that would make him very, very dangerous. He just felt to me like the horse that was going to be the best price of what I thought were the real win candidates, which I mean, basically consisted of the two, three and eight. We were together when Bankett ran in the West point and we kind of were a little shocked early on in the betting at how little action he was taking. And he ran horribly. I mean, he, he was second by default because Jerry the Nipper basically stopped at the quarter pole. I'm I'm really skeptical of, of how he's going to run in this race. And um, and, and I'm going to – I think I would take alternate options to bank it, who, again, getting back to sprinting, um, something he hasn't done in a very, very long time when there was a, a really winnable mile in an eighth race later on in this card, just doesn't really strike my fancy. 
Yeah, no, I, I agree. Again, I, I'm going with the, I'm, I'm going with the, just the obvious horse here. And, and I think the, you know, my goal in terms of betting, it would be try to get bank at, um, you know, at a second. I think that's a fair approach. Let's go to race four, the second of the eight stakes races. This is one that you are going to be involved in as an owner, the empire classic at a mile and an eighth on the main track. And among the uh, likely pace interested runners in this field is your horse Seafoam, who you claimed for 45,000 back in July of 2021. He has since won a couple of times, including the Alex M. Rob over this surface at this distance. He took a dirty beat in the Evan Shipman earlier this year, now back in against New York Breds. I, I would have to imagine, though, when you look through this field, it wasn't particularly thrilling to see how much speed there is. Yeah, there's a ton of speed, and that makes us nervous. But look, we're, we're thrilled to get back to a mile and eighth, two-turn races in New York. And so, you know, the, he ran the Empire Classic last year. He set a wicked pace and was eventually beaten by American Revolution and passed right at the end by Wild Banker. But the, by moving the Empire Classic to Aqueduct, uh, you know, he gets to go his two turns. And the other New York-bred uh, races for older horses, the Evan Shipman, they shortened from a mile and eighth to that uh, sort of one and a half turn mile at Saratoga. And then they shortened the Alex M. Rob to uh, a, a flat mile at Aqueduct. And so this is our one shot for two turns. This horse needs two turns. He needs to be out front. He needs to set a, you know, he can he can set a fast pace, but it, he needs to, you know, sort of get out there, get get loose, get loose, get free running. And uh, I mean, we're going. There's no bones about the fact that we're going. I'm hopeful that some of these other horses like Dr. Blute, who looks really fast on paper, that they are going to be nervous about the distance, that they're, they're going to know that we're going to go and that uh, Jose is going to hold his horse a little as opposed to, you know, make it a situation where neither of us can win. Um, so, you know, we feel very confident. The horse is training well. I think you can throw out that last race in the Polynesian. He stumbled really badly in the start and was rushed up. Um, and, uh, and that basically gave him no chance. So we're getting back to the distance we like. Um, we're going to go for the lead. If they come with us, you know, they're going to have to, they're going to have to do some serious running and, uh, we hope we can hold on to the end. I, I think while there's a lot of speed, there's no, there's no banking in here to come run us down. So I, I, I feel, uh, I feel pretty good about if we can take care of those other speed horses that, uh, we should go look good in the spot. And, and I think at the morning line of five to two, I'd feel, uh, uh, I'd feel confident betting us. Good to hear, of course. Always like the vote of confidence. And I, you know, I think I'm obviously a, a big time from US user and believer. And um they have they have Seafoam on the lead. So even though Dr. Blute has been ridden aggressively in his last couple of starts since he stretched out, he's really not been involved in, in fast-paced races. So I think I think the concern becomes um, you know, do both Irad and Manny concede on the inside? If Seafoam breaks alertly, you know, do they both run the risk of, of giving up inside position to a horse that might be trying to clear? I mean, it, it's we've seen it happen plenty of times. So hopefully one this time around for the good guys. I wondered, you know, in terms of betting the race outside of, of you know, obviously your affiliation with Seafoam, Brooklyn Strong feels like a horse who might be gradually getting better now in Victor Barboza Jr.'s care. I wonder who actually is overseeing the training of this horse on a regular basis because he was working at Belmont and, and Barboza has no, no presence in New York whatsoever. He did post his last workout at Delaware. He's going to get a lot of pace to run at. I just don't know if he is, I don't know if he's even competent racehorse anymore. I couldn't make a case for anybody else coming from off the pace. And quite honestly, I, I would not bet this race in a million years and I would just find myself rooting for Seafoam. Well, I, I think, you know, what I'm going to try to do is I'm going to try to 
you know, I'm going to bet Sipa in the win. Then I'm going to play Sipa over Curlin's wisdom to maybe, you know, his horse is bred to go long, uh, can sit off the pace and, and maybe comes running when everyone else is sort of falling apart because of the distance. So, so that's probably my approach. But I agree with you about Brooklyn Strong. He seems to be improving. He was a horse that I'd sort of been crossing off and tossing, um, you know, for, for, you know, much of his earlier career aggressively, so aggressively placed. But, uh, you know, each of his last few races have been pretty good. And so, um, uh, you know, he's a horse that could certainly, you know, clunk up, uh, certainly clunk up. Yeah, Curlin's wisdom had knocked on the door quite a few times, finally putting it all together now, three wins in a row, including a mile and an eighth dirt score here just two weeks ago. He'll look to make it two straight. That takes us to race five, the Mohawk at a mile and a 16th on the inner turf course. And we have who is clearly the best New York bred turf horse going right now, at least in terms of horses that run regularly in New York. Some like it, Hot Browns. Connections may not love me saying that about City Man. But City Man is not only a graded stake winner, he comes in off a win in the Ashley T. Cole, and he looms a very heavy favorite and likely winner here. Are you buying or selling City Man at about even money? I'm buying. I mean, I just, I, I wish this horse were... You know, I wish they, I wish they were more aggressive in terms of his campaign. I think he'll beat these horses. Um, I, you know, I don't. I, I think maybe even last time it, it, it looked like they were coming to him, but, but he just got out. You know, he got out, made the first run, maybe even hit the lead too early. And uh, I don't think Sanctuary City was ever going to go by. And, and he's a nice horse. I'd have loved to have seen him gone from the Forbidden Apple, which was a very, very impressive effort into the Four Star Dave. They've taken the more conservative route. Um, you know, this horse. This horse should should take care of this field, and I'm not I'm not going to get creative here. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I think that he's just uh, uh, quite a bit better than these. Yeah, I agree. I actually think the uh, I think your assessment of the Ashley T. Cole is exactly right. I think he actually did a lot of the heavy lifting, being closer to the pace and making that first move. I thought Cold Hard Cash ran clearly the second best race in there between his break from the gate and the the issues he ran into going into the first turn when he was steadied multiple times. I also don't really know if Cold Hard Cash is all that good. So, you know, that that was sort of my concern. I was thinking about playing one exacta, one, two, figuring that there should be enough pace in here. Sanctuary City is obviously a, a major contender as well. I think we've seen the best of Jerry the Nipper, and and I'm kind of not expecting a heck of a lot better than that. So it, uh, it, it looked to be a relatively simple race, I thought, from a wagering perspective. How about George Weaver taking therapist for $80,000? That was a... That was a claim that I was a little little stunned by, but uh, maybe he's got an eye on some races down the line. I, therapist is not a two turn horse, in my opinion. So no, and, and also you know taking therapist at this you know at this juncture of the year, right, late September, with uh, not many turf starts in New York left, and so you know he's always been questionable, it, you know, it, it, you know, at a mile seven furlongs or a mile, and you know Rinaldi and therapist they they've had their time, right? The you know they they were more of the dot matrix vintage when dot matrix yeah. ran in this race in, um, you know, twice ran, ran here in uh, 2019 and 2020, never hit the board in this race, but, uh, but they were, you know, they were constant competitors of his. And, and I think their time has passed. I think, uh, I think we've got this new blood and um, you know, I think again, city man, it gets it done. Yep. I agree. That is a look at the Mohawk. Let's go to race six, which kicks off the late pick five. Note that both pick fives and the pick six tomorrow are mandatory payouts. There are no carryovers in any of those wagers. As I believe one ticket took it down today, $237,000 right in that neighborhood. The Iroquois goes as race number six. This is the female equivalent of the Hudson from a little bit earlier. And it is 
arguably just as deep and competitive if you have a knock on Banksting. But I will say, Marshall, Banksting figures to get a bigger challenge from the likes of Betsy Blue and Mozienko than she has seen in some of her recent New York bred tries, at least sprinting. Yeah, these are these are nice horses. This is a this is a good race. Um, I agree with you. You know, I'm not super creative here. I mean, I think ultimately Banks Banksting is going to get it done. I mean, she's eight of twelve lifetime. Uh, she's tactical here. Um, you know, it's, you know, she's 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 one that uh, she's one shorter. Uh, she's one longer. Uh, you know, she's she's talented. But but you know, Betsy Blue and uh, Mosienko Mosienko's won four in a row. And and you know, I really like Betsy Blue to. to to, uh, she's shown she can come from pretty far off the pace and close into uh, uh, to races that are pretty paceless. And she's been in sort of a bunch of paceless affairs and have gotten things done. And, you know, her last couple efforts are really nice working her way through these open conditions. Um, you know, I know that wasn't the toughest three other than last time, and, and it showed by her being two to five. But I think she's, you know, I, I could see her pulling me up. Said I'm probably, you know, going to be do nothing creative here and just play the six, seven exact and really just kind of watch this race to to see how it uh, sort of plays out. I'm interested to see, you know, kind of what the pace scenario is um, in in who decides to 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 go. I imagine that Bank Sting will be sort of you know second mover, you know, kind of second around the track and then make the move, and then you know Betsy Blue will come after, and we'll see what happens. Yeah, it should be interesting to see if Betsy Blue can continue this run that's been very, very impressive. Something has to give between she and Banksting. They are respectively six for seven at Aqueduct and six for eight. Real Aqueduct lovers there, Betsy Blue and Banksting. No question. Well, I mean, about it. And, the, and their figures aren't that far off from being like Philly Mare Turf kind of horses. I mean, they're just, you know, sorry, Philly and Mare Sprint kind of horses. They're, these are, uh, this is a really strong group of uh, New York bred uh, sprinting fillies. Yeah, I mean, only until late in the year did um, did the, the players, the principals in this division, really start to earn buyer speed figures around a hundred. So, I mean, they, you would you would definitely believe that that these horses could contend with some of the good ones. I mean, look, Betsy Blue was a really good second to Smash Ticket three starts back, who came right back and um, and was one of the choices in the. Uh, in the Raven run last week at Keeneland. So, I mean, yeah, these are horses that have been keeping good company and they've been running fast figures. The only, the only in upset situation that I could envision in here, and it's a little far-fetched because I don't envision Banksting letting any horse get too far away. November rain got close to that insane pace in the test. And maybe she can get the lead and try and wire this field. It seems like a little much. She's a horse who's going to be a big price. I'm not going to let her wiring beat me. Um, but I do think that she'll have she'll have to run, obviously, the race of her life in order to contend here. Her one other than win, she's going to need to run faster than that. I was a little encouraged by Venti Valentine on the cutback until I read the workout report. And apparently, Hoo Hoo That's Me has just been blowing her doors off in the morning. Maybe Hoo Hoo That's Me is a morning glory or something. But Venti Valentine, I thought, might be an interesting cutback and might be a horse who's better around one turn when push comes to shove. All that said... It does look like the six and seven Banksting and Betsy Blue are clearly the two horses to beat in race six. The Iroquois going on to race seven, the Maid of the Mist at a mile on the main track. We've got a good group going postward here that includes recent Joseph Jimma winner Gambling Girl, as well as the runner up from that event, Miracle, who was the beaten favorite. They're going to be matched up now with Security Code as well, who was three to one in that Joseph Jimma and a couple of other runners, uh, including Le Bon Tom, who was third in there. And I'm just kidding who is back on dirt after a try going long in the Miss Grillo. This is a real skullbuster. 
Yeah, you know, I guess it really depends on what you want to do with the the Joseph A. Gimma. I'm going to fade that race. You know, it was it was decently fast, but not super fast. I thought visually it looked it, it looked uh, very slow in the stretch. It did, you know, they looked like they were just slowing to a crawl. Um, and you know, I don't know, gambling girl. I guess you know she won the race, and uh, but I just don't know how good she is. I, I thought her her maiden win, her impressive maiden win by ten and a half. You know, it seemed like a low speed figure of fifty five, but that speed figure is pretty rock solid. The other four horses that have come back and run back out of that are all are all pretty terrible. So she beat no one there, and I just I just don't know how good that race is. I'm going against it. I'm I'm going to go with. I'm just kidding. Uh, Coming uh, for John Kimmel, uh, moving back from turf to dirt, uh, ran fifth in the Miss Grillo last time, uh, you know, ran second in the maiden special weight on the dirt, ran a 61 buyer, which, you know, for a July buyer for a two-year-old filly is a, is a quite a good number if you sort of project her improvement and, uh, you know, assume that she has similar dirt, dirt and turf ability, then, then she, she is faster, faster than everyone in the field. And, um uh, you know, I think Justify is, uh, you know, kind of low key off to a fantastic start as a sire. Kind of some of the numbers I do looking at at, uh, at uh, sire power on dirt. If you take the average of his uh, of his dirt runners, if you take their best time form U.S. figures, the average of his best time form U.S. figures for Justify are higher than any other um, or higher than any other sire right now of two year olds. And so, um, so he's off to quite a good start. I don't think he's gotten gotten a lot of publicity. I don't think he has that many high profile runners, but I think he's quite good, and uh, and they should keep getting better. And so I think I'm just kidding. Uh, I feel excited to bet the horse, and I think the horse is going to run really well. I'm just kidding, of course. A half to 2017 Breeders' Cup filly and mare sprint winner, Bar of Gold. This is more of a turf pedigree, though, uh, all things considered. Bar of Gold, of course, was good on turf, dirt, and synthetics. She actually only had one turf try, I think. She was very good on both dirt and synthetics. I'm just kidding. As a horse who ran credibly on debut behind Lady Mine and uh, came right back to win in her second start on the turf. I actually thought another horse going turf to dirt was interesting in here as well. And she's actually one door to the outside of, I'm just kidding. And I'm talking about recognize who ran twice on dirt, ran well on debut was actually just in front of lady mine who came back to beat. I'm just kidding on the opening weekend at Saratoga. And, and then recognize ran in the race that was won by miracle where gambling girl was third and Bantera, who's also in this field was second, but she spent the entirety of that race on the inside. And I don't know if that was really the best place to be. Her form is now a little darkened with a couple of poor, you know, somewhat subpar efforts against stakes competition going long on the turf. This might just be a situation where she ends up sitting just off the pace and going the mile, especially with a lot of them stretching out. I think it, it could easily become a little ugly in the final quarter mile. So I picked her. I wanted to find a little bit of value. I agree with you on the Joseph Gimma. Um, I didn't really care for the race that Miracle ran. And the fact that Le Bon Tom hung in there as long as she did to get third, I thought was kind of an indictment of the race, all things considered. So I think it's a totally fair approach to throw all of them out. Security code is probably the one horse I'd want to bet back because she was very inside the entire way. The problem with her is that she is another one of these Phil Serpy trainees that ran well at Saratoga that are just all falling on their face since they've come back downstate. So I, I get I get pretty concerned there. I think uh, you and I can agree on having the, the similar sentiment of taking horses outside of those Joseph Gimma runners 
Um, one horse I did want to ask you about, though, Bantera. Is she a, a, Is that a race that you're going to chalk up to her having really put it all together on slop? This is a horse who I know was training very well prior to her debut and was a little underwhelming a couple times at Saratoga. Yeah, it's a hard thing to know what to do here, right? The horse explodes uh, in the slop and, and wins by 10 and a quarter. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to let her, I'm going to make her prove that to me. The other thing is I just don't, practical joke, um, average winning distance on dirt is um, is six furlongs. So 6.0 furlongs. And so, uh, you know, I know that he's still a young sire, but, uh, but there's a lot of indication that he just throws sprinters. And so I just don't know about this horse stretching out um, to a mile. Um, I don't know about this horse stretching out to a mile. So I'm going to, I'm going to fade the horse that the slop and the, the pedigree scares me. Yeah, I think that's a fair approach to it as well. Let's go to race eight, the Ticonderoga for older females going a mile and a 16th on the inner turf. We have the one, two, three finishers from the John Hettinger back on September 30th that um, are all back in here, including the winner finest work who scored the eight to one upset in there. Are you taking the Hettinger alums or going elsewhere? I'm taking the Hettinger alums. I'm going with Marvelous Maud. Um, I thought that, that, um, you know, finest work and Manny just kind of got the jump on, uh, I, I, I got the jump on her last time. And, uh, you know, they were first movers um, and, uh, and were able to get out far ahead and marvelous mark. Uh, Maud and Runaway Woman came running late and, and nearly got there. Um, so I'm I'm taking Marvelous Maud to turn the tables here. Um, there should be pace to run into. I think the two inside horses, Dakota Dancer and Pure Bodie, are going to go. So um, so you know I'm I'm not being creative, too creative, taking a you know short price Chad, but uh, but I think she should get the job done here. Yeah, I, you know, it's some kind of a catch-22 in terms of, of how to fully assess the Hettinger because Marvelous Maud was farther back than she'd ever been before, but it was also because they went a really quick pace. So, you know, it looks like the pace in here should be pretty solid again with Mashney Girl, Pure Bodie, and, um, and I mean, Dakota Dancer has to show speed. Yeah. I don't, don't really know why they'd try her here unless they planned on, on trying to steal the race on the front end. So... I think that should set things up very well. I, you know, I wondered if the difference in odds between the, between Marvelous Mod and Runaway Rumor was really necessary. Um, if Marvelous Mod is much better, if that's all provided that Runaway Rumor is now back to being Runaway Rumor, because obviously there was a period of time during her three-year-old season where, I mean, she looked like a future New York bred female turf star. And I mean, then things went, went badly wrong earlier this year, but it does seem like the light bulb's gone on. Jorge Abreu is putting blinkers on, which has really not been a particularly strong angle for him. I think one of the things that you and I can agree on is that last time was a time for finest work. I, I don't think mm-hmm. I don't think you want to bet her back at five to two or three to one after getting eight to one on her last time. No, she was in a great spot and uh, Manny rode her well and made the first move. And you know, runaway right we were, I think, just had the had better positioning than Marvelous Maud being on her outside and uh, and you know couldn't get by her. And again, I do think uh, the the blinkers on is a, just a weird move. It's not like she hasn't shown, you know, it's not like she can't be forward. So I just I wonder at this point, kind of what what the logic is in terms of of throwing the blinkers on. Um, yeah, with her. I guess trying to stay closer, but again, I mean that seems to take away her best option, which is what you're sort of alluding to. So mm-hmm. yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't fully understand it either. But um, those of us that are, that believe in Jorge Abreu will certainly take a chance anyway. Marvelous Mod would be the, the horse that I would use for the majority of my multi-race plays and then put a little bit through uh, finest work 
and runaway rumor. If anybody else wins, I'll be I'll be very, very surprised. Let's go to race number nine, the Empire Distaff at a mile and an eighth on the main track. This is an absolutely terrific race because I think there are major holes to be poked in both Brattle House and let her inspire you. And I think it starts with the distance. So did you have an alternative to those two or were you going to settle on one of them? No, I don't like either of them. And so I'm I'm totally with you. Uh, I mean, Brattle House has been a it's been a money burner, a spit the bit bit both uh the last two races uh, at short prices and, and relatively slow paces as well, right? So I don't, oh, yeah. uh, I, I, you know, I don't want any piece of of her uh, now going a mile and eighth and let her inspire you. You know, I just I just don't know that this horse really wants a mile and eighth. I know that uh, you know that the Saratoga race, the Fleet Indian, this horse ran really well, but that was on slop that probably carried this horse. And uh, like I said earlier, Prackle Joke is a is a is a sprint sire, and Prackle Joke in Spitestown you know, tell me slop and she ran super on the slop. I think on a, on a conventional dirt track going mile eighth um, at Aqueduct, I don't think she's going to get the distance. And so uh, practical jokes, average winning distance is 6.19 furlongs on dirt. And and so, you know, I'm tossing her and, and I'm tossing chocolate gelato in the uh, juvenile Phillies for the same reason, right? I, I don't know about getting the distance. Uh, and again, there's getting the distance and getting the distance at a short price that you're going to see those horses. So I went, um with uh, uh sunset louise um i actually like her quite a bit uh, i am a, a big sucker for tonalist uh, especially tonalist going long going two turns here this horse has not uh never gotten a chance to run two turns uh is tactical um i think is really going to take to this distance and uh, i'm pretty excited to better at, the, at, at that price and i also think caregate um as well it, uh, those two horses uh i think should relish this distance uh, again, both should be tactically placed and both are fast enough to win. Yeah, I, I like it. I think that's uh, Sunset Louise's speed figure surprised me. I didn't realize that she had gotten as fast as she had in some of her recent starts. Um, and I actually felt the same way about Sweet Mystery as well. I do think Sweet Mystery was a little helped by being inside last time out. My interesting horse, at least distance wise and pace wise, was Ice Princess, who switches turf to dirt for Danny Garg. And she's run some dirt races that make her competitive. She's really had limited opportunities on fast dirt tracks going long. She would benefit if there was any rain in the forecast. There isn't. But um, I, I thought I could make a, a pretty clear case for her. And there are a number of races on her, her past performances that you can point to and say, okay, if she runs back to that, she becomes very dangerous. I wanted to at least talk briefly about Sharp Star, who won this race last year. It feels like this is a, fill, a mare who really is hurt by this race not being at Belmont. And it's not because she prefers Belmont. I just think she prefers one turn. Yeah, I agree. I don't I don't think she's a two-turn horse, but she's a strange horse that she can she can pop up and win this race. It it does seem like that uh DePaz kind of uh you know gears her up for big efforts, uh, you know, and, and she'll run big numbers kind of out of the blue. I mean, she won this race last year um off a you know a couple of dismal performances and off a fairly decent layoff. Now she got a she got a setup and she got the mud. But uh she's one it just wouldn't surprise me. I'm not I'm not sure that last effort wasn't um you know, just to get ready for this spot. Um, but, uh, you know, her form is pretty dirty right now. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, she's ever been the horse that, that you know, I thought she could be when she, you know, won that uh, state right other than with a 101 buyer and came back and wanted to go for one with a 97. I thought at that point she had a, a pretty big career ahead of her and has never lived up to that. Yeah, that was a race that didn't hold up as time went by. But no doubt, I mean, she is one of the more, 
I guess mystifying horses is a good way to put it in the New York bred ranks because she's had a she had races where she's run extremely well. I just remember her two mile and an eighth races in 2020 at Saratoga and thinking to myself, don't ever bet this horse at a mile and an eighth again. The second of which she hung like a chandelier at four to one in the fleet Indian. I, I bet her that day because um, she had run a good second to singular sensation the time before and faced older horses. And, um, and yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not buying her as a mile and an eighth animal, but we will see how she fits in here at what should be a pretty attractive price though. 10 to one on the morning line onto the nightcap, the sleepy hollow and a mile on the main track. I thought this was another really, really fun race. You referenced looms boldly earlier. The horse who vanquished him in the closing stages of his debut was shadow dragon. He is back in this race as well as, Impressive debut winner, Canarsie, who is the morning line favorite. Arctic Arrogance, who was a good second in the Bertram Bongard. Jackson Heights, who somehow won the Bertram Bongard at odds of 24 to 1. And Donegal Surges, who was third in there as the second choice at 6 to 5. This is a really fun bunch. Yeah, no, this is a this is a great race. Um, the uh, Bertram Bongard was, you know, I, it, it was, uh, um, I mean, it was a good running. I, I think, you know, it's a strong number, but it was a, uh, also a race that was run with an extremely fast pace on potentially a closer favoring a day two. I don't know if it's necessarily closer favoring, but you know, a lot of closers won that day, but the pace is quick. Um, and, uh, so maybe, you know, maybe Arctic arrogance is the horse that did the, you know, all the dirty work in that race and then was, was beaten late. Maybe he's the, you know, maybe he's the horse out of that race you want, but I, I, I want an outsider. I'm going with Starquist. I thought Starquist's last race, uh, his debut win was extremely impressive. He broke, he broke sharply, uh, you know, on the lead and then faded back to last and was being worked down the backside and was, was totally out of it. I mean, it, you know, didn't, didn't think he had any shot to win uh, and then came flying at the end to pull away. He ran the last eighth in 12.17 seconds uh, while the rest of the field was basically standing still. Um, and uh, he's a Nyquist, right? So he's sort of bred to get this distance. Uh, he's a New York bred stakes winning dam that won the Mountain Eighth uh, Fleet Indian. Uh, Chester and Mary Broman, uh, you know, they have their top New York breeders. Uh, John Kimmel again, who's who's had a good meet, and and you know, again, I'm excited to bet this horse, and uh, um, you know, I, 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 I'm 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 hopeful that uh, some of that some of that last effort was just uh, greenness, that he's not just a, a character that has these character flaws, but I thought it was very impressive. Yeah, no question about it. This is a great uh, Chester and Mary Broman pedigree as well. Dam's a half to friend or foe. Um, so there's a lot to lot to like about the potential uh, improvement with distance. And and I think that was one of the assessments that I had after his debut. I, I missed his debut. It was the first race on October 9th. And I always go back and whether I watch the races live or not, I watch the replays of the New, New York races at night. And so I was that night. And so I was watching the, the replay and, and I kept clicking on the list of horses in RTN and saying to myself, well, there's no way that horse won. And at the half mile pole, I looked and at the quarter pole, I looked again and was like, no, this has got to be, it's got to be a mistake. And then all of a sudden, you know, I realized, holy cow, this horse does win. He, he finally you know, gets on track about the eighth pole and, and really reeled in bourbon chase very easily. There've been no runbacks from that race. So uh, it was only three weeks ago. We can't fully assess the form, but yeah, I mean, he looks super interesting. He feels like a horse that will probably come down off his six to one morning line. Cause I think a lot of people like you and I are going to really put a lot of, of credence into that debut run. I thought uh, of the Bertram Bongard alums, 
I thought the one that made the most sense was Donegal Surges. And the reason why I say that is because uh, the pace of the Bongard was fast and he was a lot closer than he probably needed to be. I think there was a lot of concern on Jose Ortiz's part that uh, Arctic Arrogance was going to wire that field. And so he went on a mission to chase. And I think he ended up becoming the hunter. And um, and that was that was problematic for him all in all. So I thought he could run a little bit better at a mile. He's another one who's really well bred to go the uh, to go the mile distance, um, if not farther. This is another Broman pedigree. Um, so this is a horse who I think will really benefit from a little bit of additional ground. That being said, Canarsie's debut is outstanding as well. And he beat a horse named Don't Lose Cruz, who came back and got an 84 buyer on the Thursday afternoon, breaking his maiden. I mean, I'm sure you could see Canarsie stepping up and handling a field like this as well. Yeah, for sure. In fact, uh, Canarsie ran the same day as Shadow Dragon, and uh, Canarsie's race was was significantly faster on the clock and has already been flattered. And so, uh, you know, I, I, you know, he, he enters this race, one of the fastest horses in the field, uh, uh, you know, Pletcher second time that, uh, you know, could be very tough, be interesting to see how he's bet. But I do think that, uh, you know, I do think of those two races that were won that day that were run that day. He's the one to take shadow dragons races was some, was in many ways like star quest. It didn't, it didn't have the, the breaking fast early. He was always way behind then came flying at the end. Uh, the pace is again quite fast, especially if you look at it from the lens of Timeform US. These, these New York races uh, at Aqueduct, the the final times have been very slow, and so you look at sort of these these fractions and 23 and 47 don't look particularly fast. But within the context of its final time, especially sort of leaning on the Timeform US uh, and Craig Mokowski's uh, uh, pace figures, is that was a, quite a fast race, and he closed into it and won. Now he was the only one closing. Um, but I do, you know, given the slow time of the final race, you know, it, it, it sort of begs the question is kind of kind of what did he beat uh, when you compare the time to the um, to the other division uh, uh, bred by uh, 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 Justin Nicholson, AJ Suited Racing. Yeah, exactly. I, I think there's one horse from the race that Shadow Dragon comes out of that you want to even consider betting in, in their next start. And it has nothing to do with you owning the horse, but it's it's looms boldly. I mean, there was one horse in there who ran um, from start to finish. And, and so that's why you'd want him. It looked on paper going into that card that the the better of the two New York bred two-year-old maiden races would be the one that featured Canarsie in part because you had firsters like Inspector in there who looked good. You had a couple of experienced runners that looked good as well. Um, your race with Looms Boldly didn't really have those kind of pedigrees or the trainers represented. But um, hey, I hope that Shadow Dragon runs nowhere and that more people misunderstand the debut and, and that somehow leads to Looms Boldly being a better price the next time he runs. As far as other horses in this field, I, I didn't have many that I wanted to touch on. Obviously, we mentioned the Bongard alums. Quick to accuse one at a mile, which is something that uh, only two runners in this field can boast. And the other one is that was then, this is now, who did it in an off-the-turf race at Delaware. So I think there's a, a little bit of consideration to be given to Quick to Accuse, who ran well in uh, his second start, breaking his maiden that time around. So we'll see if he can now take a step forward in his third career start for Horacio De Paz, whose barn, you know, continues to run, go extremely well, pretty much wherever, uh, wherever they start. Well, and look, $200,000 OBS March for an accelerate, right? So that's a, that's a, that's a pretty penny given the, um, uh, you know, given the pedigree. And, and I, I agree with you. Look, a lot of it is going to be figuring out which of these horses, you know, will continue to move forward. 
going this longer distance of ground. And, um, you know, especially these one turn miles that sort of with two year olds can develop real significant pace battles, even if they don't look like it on paper, right? That's a long backstretch to run down, uh, especially for younger and experienced horses. And, uh, you know, they can get going quite fast and we'll see who has the stamina to, to hold on. I totally agree. I think, uh, I think it, it's a very, very fun race on what is really a very, very interesting card as well. My full card analysis will be available at inthemoneypodcast.com. Well, we, of course, all, uh, whether with our wagering dollars or not, are going to be rooting for Seafoam, owned, of course, by Marshall Graham, friend of the program and co-host of this particular program that you've been listening to. Thank you so much, my friend. I really appreciate it. And best of luck to Seafoam and all of your runners. Appreciate it. Super excited to see these New York Reds compete. And uh, again, it's a wonderful program. Uh, if you're a, a breeder, you should get involved. The uh, Breeders Awards are excellent. The the, the uh, Stallions Awards are excellent. We have uh, New York Reds that we're still getting checks from that we don't even uh, still own. And those uh, those uh, those checks that the that money uh, that money gets cashed and uh, and and helps keep uh, keep the bills paid. That money will spend indeed. And a big thank you again to Marshall for joining me on this program. Big thank you to the New York Thoroughbred Breeders and specifically Naja Thompson for their sponsorship of the network and of these shows that we've done throughout the year. These cards are always some of the more interesting ones. And I really appreciate uh, having David Aragona do one of the shows back in August. Andy Serling did the one in May. Marshall has actually joined me for the last two. So again, big, big thank you to Naja and to the New York Thoroughbred Breeders. All of you out there who are breeders and have a mare that you want to breed in New York, take a look, of course, at Warrior's Charge, grade three winning son of Munnings, who will be standing in New York next year for $5,000. Well, for Marshall Graham, I'm Nick Tamaro. Thanks for listening. Best of luck on this card. We'll see you next time.